0: We were talking about the DNA, the chromosomes, the chromatin, and as a brief review, we are in the nucleus describing the genetic material, which is the DNA, organized as chromatin, and the chromatin is organized as a chromosome when the time for division especially comes. And this is the picture, or diagram that shows how this Double strand, double helix molecule of DNA gets organized and coiled and packed in what we see under the microscope and call the chromosomes. So, this leads us to the concept of cell cycle. Cell cycle is like, or say, the life cycle of the cell. Um, One of the stages that the cell goes through the entire life. Uh, it's good to know that different types of cells will have different lengths in life cycle just to give a couple of examples the red blood cells that we've been talking about they have no the nucleus and so the red blood cells they live for 120 days the white blood cells which is another type of blood cell finding in the blood, they live for about seven to 10 days. And so different durations of the life of different cells. But most of them, they show all these stages during the lifetime they have, or lifespan. And those stages are divided in two major periods that we see here. The interphase or interphase, and cell division, or mitosis. And in mitosis, mitosis will have different stages. We can see divided in a graph as we will see. Well, the interface, this first part, is that period between the moments that the cell will divide and give place to another, uh, another cell or two cells. And during this time, interface is a time where the cell performs the different functions, uh, whatever it is, depending on the type of cell, it produces proteins, makes enzymes, participates in defense, immune system, etc. During interphase, one of the things that happens is that the nuclear material, the nuclear material is seen as uncondensed. Uncondensed. So we see like loose material inside the nucleus. Now the interface contains different subphases. And one of them will include the moment where the DNA replicates. All that in preparation for the division. And those subphases of interface are G one G stands for gap s and G2 and describing what happens in each of these phases we see that in GAP1 or G1 this is the moment that the cell keeps growing, it's like we can say that this is the time of uh, the cell is young in development an active, active metabolism and G1 is followed by S synthetic. And synthetic is where the DNA gets ready for division. DNA replicates. When, we'll sell, when the cell divides, will give place to, to two daughter cells, and each cell will have the same, the same DNA, the same number of chromosomes. So that's why the DNA has to replicate, they have to duplicate, in order to give the same material to the daughter cells. Now, in between G1 and S, there's another phase that some cells have and it's called G0. What is G0? There are some cells that will not divide, they will stop dividing. A good example of this is the neuron, the nervous cell. As is very well known, the neurons, they don't divide at some point. They, during our development, they grow, they develop, they duplicate, they replicate, but at some point they stop. And at this point in our lives, we're not replicating neurons. We have the same number of neurons that we had at some point in our life in early um, infancy. So after S we comes G2. G2 is a phase where the cell gets ready for division, all the machinery, all the organelles get ready for cell division. G1, S, and G2, and we can see that those phases or subphases in this diagram. Everything in green is interphase, and interphase contains these three subphases: G1, S, and G2. So that is the active life of a cell. That's what happens during the lifetime of the cell. After interphase, when the cell gets, we can say, older, it comes a time for cell division, and that's when the cell enters into mitosis or mitotic phase. And the mitosis will have different subphases also, as we see here. The sequence is starts with prophase then metaphase, anaphase, telophase, followed by cytokinesis, which means cell division. Strictly at that point this is what we see here in this graph, the cell is split it in two. Split it in two, but each half of the cell will have the same number of chromosomes, the same type and amount of genetic material. So DNA replication occurs, as we said, the cell, one cell, we can say like this, is a mature cell, and it has 46 chromosomes, that's the number of chromosomes that the human cell has. When it enters into cell division or mitosis, it will give place to two daughter cells, and each of these cells will have 46 chromosomes. How this happens? Well, this 46 has to be duplicated at some point, so each of the daughter cells will have 46 chromosomes. That's what we know as DNA replication, and that happens during G2. S2, I mean, S and G2, the DNA is replicated. A copy of the DNA is produced. How this happens? Well, the double-strand of DNA molecule. It's all coiled and will start to unwind and unzip. It's like a zipper. that opens. And when that happens, a new molecule of DNA is produced starting from the template of one of the strands. How this happens? Well, it's a complex process that involves many different enzymes called DNA polymerase, DNA helicase, and so we're not going into that detail. That's more for molecular biology. Um, but the, the concept is the DNA double-strand. The strands get separated, and each strand will give place or produce a new strand, a complementary strand. We can see this in graphs very well, as we will see. So the result is that each daughter cell will have DNA molecules the same as the original cell. And a new copy, a complete copy of the cell is given to the new cell, to the daughter cell, and the other one is retained with the original cell. That's the way that the DNA is transmitted from cell to cell, all cells of our body. Imagine from the very first moment of um, the first moment of our life when we are in the, the, the primordial uh, embryo, and it's only one cell the sperm cell meets the egg, and the, they form the first cell called the zygote with a genetic material. And that genetic material will get started getting duplicated and replicated and replicated until we have the trillions of cells that we have now. But each of our individual cells has the same DNA, the same DNA as the first cell that came out after the junction of the sperm and the, and the egg. So that is called semi-conservative replication. Semi-conservative replication and that term comes or is explained because each new double-stranded DNA contains half of the old DNA and half is new. So we can see that in a a graph. Imagine that we have the two strands like this, and they are bound by hydrogen bonds. But then what happens is that in mitosis, we will have this picture. Each cell will have like this. This pattern here. So you can recognize that this strand comes from this cell, and this other strand comes from this, is the other strand of the cell. But here we have two different cells. But it's semi-conservative because one strand of the original cell will be part of the new daughter cell. And so on, (coughs) and so on, and so on. So if we go back and trace where the DNA comes, DNA strands that we have in our cells, we will go back to the first original cell. And that's the DNA is, uh, is transmitted and the genetic material is maintained. This graph is summarizing all this complex process that I was saying. If we start from this side, we have a chromosome here. And amplifying what the chromosome is, then we'll have the DNA here. It's double strand. We can see the nucleotides bound by the hydrogen bonds in the middle. And what happens is that an enzyme here, this is an enzyme. It is called the helicase because it's going to unwind the double helix. So you see how the strands are open now. It's like a fork opening now. Now from each of the strands, there's another enzyme called DNA polymerase that will start building the complementary strand. Taking nucleotides and start building one by one, following the specific sequence, and now we have two. This is what we call the replication bubble, because each, from each of the strands, like in a bubble, a new DNA is formed. This is what happens in preparation for division during the S synthesis and replication G2 of the cell cycle. And the different nucleotides are seen here, adenine, thymine, cytosine, and guanine, that we commonly call A, T, G, and C, that determines the sequence of the, um, of the DNA. And that's what actually we call genes, specific sequence of nucleotides that code an information. That's what we know as a gene. questions to this point. So when the cell gets into mitosis or mitotic phase, we can say that mitosis occurs or mitotic phase occurs in two moments. One of them is mitosis, properly named or called mitosis, and cytokinesis. Cytokinesis is, as we said, the fragmentation, the actual division of the cell in two. But this process Again, it's very complex, very complicated. There are many steps. And what is more important to remember is that this cell has to be regulated and controlled. The process of cell division. So the cells will divide when it's only necessary, but they will not divide unnecessarily. It's like having a machine. If you have a machine, you have to have some control over that machine and you have to turn on some specific mechanisms. It's like um, those little devices that we have to control the sprinklers, you have to program them. You have to set up at what time the sprinklers will turn on and the water will come out. How long they will last, for six minutes, five minutes, how many days in the week, so everything has to be programmed. If you don't control that, you will make a mess. That's exactly what happens with the cell life cycle. There are specific checkpoints that we call, and help to control how the cells divide. And so the cells will divide only when it's necessary, and not unnecessarily. These are two checkpoints. One happens during G1. It's called the G1 checkpoint. And the other one happens during the moment that the cell goes from G2 to M or mitosis. There are two main checkpoints. There are some more, but these two are very important. If these checkpoints fail for some reason, then the cell will divide unnecessarily, uncontrolled, and we may have what we commonly know as malignant cell or cancer. That is one of the theories of cancer, uh, especially because failure of this checkpoint. But these checkpoints are actually working very fine because if something goes wrong during G1, like when the cell is growing, and the cell starts getting abnormal, with the G1 checkpoint, it will actually terminate that cell. The lysosome will be released and that cell will be destroyed, it's abnormal. But if that checkpoint fails, the cell will keep growing abnormal. The other checkpoint is in G2M, because that moment when the cell is getting into mitosis is really important. The cell has to be all normal. Everything should be fine so the cell can be enter be entering into mitosis, but it's not, if something is going wrong, the, this checkpoint will stop the division, and the cell will not divide. Because if it divides, it will give place to abnormal cells. And again, if this checkpoint fails, we may have the development of a cancer. So that's those are the important things or points about this life cycle of the cell that we are describing, checkpoints. Cell division, mitosis, the M phase. The M phase is divided into four stages, called the four stages of mitosis prophase, metaphase, anaphase, and telophase. And we're going over all these stages quickly to emphasize some of the main events. Prophase is the first. Prophase is divided in early and late prophase, in the early prophase, what happens is that the centrioles, that organ that we studied last time, the centrioles will start producing microtubules forming like tracks from one pole to the other pole of the cell. The chromosomes will start getting very evident and they will start replicating the scene, like double, uh, two-sister chromatids, like duplicated chromosomes. In late prophase, we see that the nuclear envelope, the nuclear envelope disappears. We see just fragments. Now the centrioles have formed all these tracks. Uh, we call them um, well; they are micro microtubules. But they are going to connect to the chromosomes. You see how the chromosomes they attach to these kind of tracks of microtubules. The chromosomes will start traveling along these paths or tracks. That's in late prophase. Next, we have metaphase. Metaphase, all the chromosomes, since they attach to these tracks of microtubules coming from the centrioles, they start traveling to the center of the cell, the center of diameter, the equator of the cell. And they are aligned in the middle, as we see here. That's typical of metaphase. This is a phase that is very easily recognizable, especially when we see under the microscope, cells in mitosis we can see this very easily, metaphase. All the chromosomes are lined in the center of the cell. The next is anaphase, when the, the daughter chromosomes, you see that the chromosomes were duplicated, they were like an X, now they get separated, and the microtubules from the centers, they help to bring the sister chromatis, daughter chromosomes now, separated and go into both poles of the cell. So that happens in anaphase. All this is a continuum. That happens in hours usually, depending on the type of cell. Finally, telophase, when the chromosomes, the daughter chromosomes arrive to the pole of the cell, and we see the nuclear envelope, the new nuclear envelope developing now in each of the poles of the cell. And right away, quickly after that, cytokinesis. there's a cleavage point here, in the central part of the cell, and the cell divides in two, splits in two. And each of the cells, now called daughter cells, will have the same number of chromosomes as the original cell. Control cell division, we mentioned the checkpoints. Let's give some words about the um, go and stop signals. The go and stop are signals that are triggered depending on some factors, like the go signals, for instance, so when the cell will start dividing, one of the signals is uh, relying on the surface to volume ratio of the cell, which means if there is some space, if there is the need of more cells, or well, the signal will be triggered, a cell division will be triggered. An example, if we have an intestinal infection, it sometimes happens, we eat some contaminated food, virus or bacteria, will coming out of the digestive system and we'll start killing some intestinal cells. So it will be like empty spaces because the cells are damaged. Well, the cell, the surface to volume ratio decreases. There's a the need of more cells. Some cells have been damaged. So that triggers the go signals and intestinal cells will start dividing quicker. The life cycle will be shorter to replace those damaged cells. In response to chemicals like growth factors, hormones, when we are in development, when we're growing up, growth hormone will determine and stimulate cells to start division. And the stop signals. Stop signals occur also, depending on the space. When the cells become in contact with each other, well, that and all the surface has been covered by cells, or the stop signal, will be triggered, no more cell division, we have enough. If this stop signal fails, then we have an uncontrolled growth and we have a tumor. We may have a tumor at this point, which can be benign or malignant, that's a different thing. This is called contact inhibition. So when the cells get in contact with each other and they find out that everything is completed, the surface is full, stop signal will be sent. That's another way of controlling the cell division. And the checkpoints that we mentioned, G1 and G2, G1 is called the restriction point, and it's considered the most important. And as I was saying, if the cell does not pass G1 control, it enters into a state called G0, no further division. The cell will not divide. It will just stay like that for the whole time of the cycle and they will die, or be destroyed. Now sometimes these checkpoints, they don't destroy the cell, but instead they fix the problem. If there's a problem with the DNA in one of the nucleotides, well that may be fixed, sometimes it's fixed and then the cell will continue. But if not, the cell can be destroyed. So again, all the summary of all the phases, interface, is the whole green area, divided in three segments or subfaces, G1, S and G2. And the yellow part is the mitosis, when the cell gets into cell into division. Okay, that was about the cell life cycle, some concepts about it. Any question at this point? Now let's talk about synthesis of proteins and how the proteins are produced. Actually, the DNA contains all the genetic material, the genes, the code, the genetic code. How this information gets expressed? How this information is translated into uh, specific traits or characteristics? Well, everything is through the synthesis of proteins and there's a specific sequence that follows. Um, Starting with the DNA is the master blueprint. We know that. All the information is, information for what? Information for protein synthesis. It contains the information like the instruction manuals for assembling proteins. How the proteins will be assembled? Well, We know proteins are chains of amino acids. So the amino acids have to be assembled in some specific way. A gene, the definition of a gene is here, is a segment of DNA that keeps a code for one protein or polypeptide. That's what a gene is. What we commonly say, the gene contains information about us, about every single aspect of us. Well, actually, it contains information for proteins. We know already the sequence of genes, the genome project has been completed and we actually know what is the sequence of the DNA. The only thing that we don't know is what it means. Many segments of the DNA. We know the sequence, but we don't know what it means. We know that in some genes, diabetes is contained, information for diabetes, and some other genes for different types of cancer, Um, ideally, ideally, in theory, if we were able to change that sequence into a normal sequence, then no more diabetes will be present. But that, what that means, that means that we would have to get the cell at its very beginning, right after the sperm and egg get together and form the zygote, we will have to be able to get that cell, go into the DNA, replace the nucleotides, and then fix it and let the cell keep growing. How hard is that? It's really difficult. Not impossible, probably would do it, but uh, it's very, very difficult to to do. So the gene is that specific sequence of information contained in the DNA. That code, genetic code, contains information which is actually a sequence of nucleotides. All these nitrogen bases that we described, the adenine, one thymine, and cytosine, they are arranged in specific sequences in a specific gene. And that's what we call code. And the code is described in sequential bases in triplet code. So sequence of three nucleotides. For instance, this sequence, G, G, C, that means one in one in cytosine, codes for a specific amino acid, which is proline. But if that code is GCC, that is a code for a different amino acid, arginine. So each triplet was, contains a code for a particular amino acid and well, the DNA, you can see, If you start describing in triplets, then you have different types of sequences. And that means different types of amino acids. Now the genes, and here we have a diagram, the genes are divided in what we call exons and introns. It's a segment of the gene, exon and intron are segments of the gene. For instance, if we have this example of the gene, of this gene, this is a sequence of DNA, a segment of the DNA. Well, there are different regions, as you see in different colors: intron 1, intron 2, intron 3, and exons. Well, what happens is that for protein synthesis, the information that is red belongs to the exons, so, in yellow part. The yellow part contains the information. Which codes for a specific sequence of amino acids, and finally we have the proteins. So exons are the part of the gene that codes for the amino acids, that contains the information for the amino acids, the exons. Introns, they're sequence of nucleotides also, but they are non-coding segments. Why? How we know they are non-coding segments? Because during the process production of proteins, these introns are not considered. They are actually removed. And the machinery will just read the exons. That's what we know, that the exons are the part that contains the code for amino acids. The introns don't contain the codes for uh, the amino acids. Well, that's about the DNA, but what about the RNA of ribonucleic acid, how it comes in place here? Because the RNA will be the molecule that will mediate this protein synthesis, actually. The RNA is the link between DNA and the protein that is produced. How this happens? Well, the RNA will copy information from DNA and will bring that information out of the nucleus to the cytoplasm. And in the cytoplasm, we have the ribosomes. The ribosomes will read that information that the RNA brings from the nucleus. And the ribosome will start decoding that information and start assembling the protein. It will start reading the sequence of nucleotides. So the RNA is forming the nucleus, we say because that's where the RNA will start copying the information from the DNA. Remember that RNA is different from DNA in this, that it contains uracil instead of thymine. And it has the ribose instead of deoxyribose. We got three types of RNA, messenger RNA, known as mRNA, ribosomal RNA, known as rRNA, and the transfer RNA, known as the tRNA. Three types of RNA. All of them work related with synthesis of proteins. What the messenger RNA does. The messenger RNA, remember RNA is single strand, DNA is double strand. So this messenger RNA is single strand. And this is the one that copies the DNA. Copies information from the DNA. And that's how this is produced. That's why it's called messenger because it's built upon the template of DNA containing a copy of the information of the DNA. It's like making a photocopy. It makes a copy of the sequence of the DNA. This is what we call transcription. We take that term from, uh, from language, from, uh, from grammar. Transcription, what a transcription is, you just copy. Transcribe this letter, transcribe this copy of the book, and you just copy whatever the book says. That's what the RNA does. Copy the information from the DNA, transcription. And the messenger RNA contains information from DNA in terms of sequence of nucleotides. The ribosomal RNA, it's a component of the ribosome actually. It's part of the structure of the ribosome. And it helps to translate, it helps to translate to decode the message that the messenger RNA will bring. Transfer RNA Is the RNA molecule that carries the amino acid. It's a molecule of RNA that is found in the cytoplasm and it's carrying one amino acid. Different types of amino acids. And here's where the the, the specificity of the code is seen because each transfer RNA will carry one amino acid, but that amino acid is carried by tRNA containing specific code. In that specific code contained by the transfer RNA is called anticodon. Anticodon, because the messenger RNA, the segment of three nucleotides, is called codon. So the transfer RNA is actually going to translate the message into sequence of amino acids. This is called translation when the transfer RNA, the transfer RNA decodes that information contained in the messenger RNA and turns that into a sequence of amino acids. And a sequence of amino acids is a protein. That's how all this process goes. So, summarizing protein synthesis occurs in two steps, transcription, which is the moment where the messenger RNA is built upon a sequence of DNA, and that's how the RNA contains information from the DNA. It's transcribing the information from DNA. and translation, when the message that the messenger RNA brings is decoded. By who? By the ribosome and the transfer RNA. And that result in the sequence of amino acid assembled into a protein or polypeptide. That's how the DNA information is expressed. Now those proteins that are produced may be proteins that will be a structure of our hair, different proteins, different sequence, arranged in different ways, different colors, different pigments, the length of our muscles, how many proteins each muscle cell will have our bones, how will be formed. So everything will be in terms of this uh, sequence of amino acids. And in the diagram, we can summarize this process in a very uh, graphic way here. DNA, double helix containing the information, genetic code. Well, transcription is a moment where the messenger RNA copies information from the DNA. The first molecule that is produced is called pre-messenger RNA, but it still has to be processed. The RNA is processed until it turns into a final messenger RNA. This messenger RNA comes out of the nucleus, through the nuclear pores, into the cytoplasm. And we see how in the cytoplasm that messenger RNA is taken by the ribosomes and decoded. That information is decoded into a sequence of amino acids, the polypeptide or proteins. Transcription plus translation are the processes of protein synthesis. And this other one we have with more details how this happens, the enzyme that copies the DNA into a strand of RNA is called RNA polymerase. We see how this enzyme is like a zipper it runs over the DNA, building the molecule of a messenger RNA here in blue. And after reading a segment, it will end up, it will separate from the DNA. Now we have a molecule of messenger RNA. And here in this square, you see what happens with detail. You can see how the nucleotides are being added into the molecule of messenger RNA. Now, we saw in the graph that the first molecule produced from DNA is pre-messenger RNA. Because this messenger RNA will be processed into the messenger RNA. That processing involves the removal of introns. Remember we mentioned that the exons are the part of the gene that are actually containing the information. Well, the messenger RNA, the pre-messenger RNA, contains everything. But then it is spliced, introns are removed only exons will remain, and the exons will contain the information, all the yellow part. This processing guarantees that the correct proteins are expressed. That's another control or checkpoint here. Maybe a mutation. There may be a mutation, which is defined as a replacement of one of the nucleotides sometimes. That alters the sequence completely, and the proteins and amino acids will be different and we may have a uh, abnormal protein expressed. We may have a problem. So we were talking about codon and anticodon. More about that specific three base sequence of DNA, the triplet code. That is represented by a sequence in the messenger RNA called Codon. So the m- message of the messenger RNA brains is coded in triplets. Sequence of three nucleotides, and that's what we call Codon. There are four bases in the messenger RNA. A, U, C, and G. And if we play for different combinations, we may have up to 64 possible Codons. There are some codons that code for stop signal. That's a moment at which the protein has to be stopped. The sequence has to be stopped. And we have 20 amino acids that can be present in the cytoplasm, but we have 64 different codons. So that means that some amino acids are represented by more than one codon. And that's good because if some sequence fails, well, there's another sequence that codes for the same amino acid, and we can keep working without problem. Transfer RNA. The transfer RNA is represented like this. The molecule of RNA is shown in blue, and on one end, it has the amino acid. And in the other end, it has a sequence of three, the triplets, called anticodon, which in this case is UAU for the amino acid isoleucine here. This is just an example. That amino acid, ILE, contains this, is contained in this transfer RNA, carried by this transfer RNA, without a specific codon UAU. So what it means? It means that if we have the messenger RNA here and there is a segment, a triplet, and that RNA that contains the sequence, sequence A-U-A, that will match with this anti And so this transfer RNA will bring the amino acid and will put it into the chain of amino acids in the protein. So it's complementary. It's complementary how this transfer RNA uh, goes assembling the different amino acids. That's what we say anticodon or transfer RNA will bind only to codon and messenger RNA that is complementary. And in our example, if the codon is AUA, the anticodon is UAU. Why? Because there's this rule that we study when we describe the DNA molecule. The DNA molecule we have this possible nitrogen bases in one strand and in the other strand, in the complementary strand, it has to be with a complementary base in this way. A has to match it with T, G with C, It cannot be other possible combination because there are specific hydrogen bonds between these molecules. And for RNA, if we have the DNA like this, then the RNA will be built in this way. There is no thymine in RNA, so instead of T, there will be a U. And there is a T that will be expressed as an A. G with C and C with G. This will be the sequence of RNA, and that's how this is built in complementary bases, the one that matches according to the type of hydrogen bonds in each uh, side of the molecule. That's another way to show this. Um, process of synthesis of protein, we see how the ribosomes uh, are reading this molecule of messenger RNA, and in yellow we see the polypeptide, the protein, being built one by one, amino acid by amino acid, into this long sequence of amino acids called protein. That can be seen under the electron microscope, as we see here. We see the ribosomes and the strand of messenger RNA that is being read. And it's kind of like those machines or guns that they used to be, uh, this type of guns to label things, and you put letters and start doing and building a long chain of letters. Um, It's kind of like that. That's the protein. How is it assembly? There's another graph showing how the genes turn into proteins in terms of information. We see the beginning happening in the nucleus the gene is a sequence of the DNA, messenger RNA is built upon that sequence, and now the messenger RNA, now outside, is read by the ribosome. And here you see the transfer RNA bringing amino acids into the sequence, and how the transfer RNA and the messenger RNA interact here, anti-cotton with codon, the complementary bases are read, And the protein gets assembly in this long green sequence that we see here. So from DNA to proteins, that's what happens. That's how the information contained in the DNA is expressed into a sequence of amino acids known as proteins. Remember the specific complementary base. Like if I tell you if there is a DNA molecule, there's a DNA molecule with this specific sequence, AGCTAT. If I built a messenger RNA, it will be built with this specific sequence, and you're going to tell me. What nucleotide I put here? What base? T? There's no T in messenger RNA. Remember that. Now? And now? A. And now? U again, yeah, you remember. And here? Another A. So that will be the sequence in the messenger RNA. The messenger RNA comes out the cytoplasm and there are two codons here. One codon for UCG and one column for AUA. So two transfer RNA will come here. The one that comes here will have what sequence? Complementary again. What is complementary to U? A, in terms of RNA. RNA. C? G. G. And G? C. So there's a transfer RNA bringing an amino acid X, let's say, to here. And when the message is read, another transfer RNA has to come here with what, what sequence? If it's an A here, T, U. Here, A. And U with amino acid Y, let's say. So that's how this works in terms of complementary bases, how the messenger RNA is copied and uh, translated by the transfer RNA and the ribosome. And that process is explained here. The same thing we did in the previous slide. We have the DNA molecules with different genes, one, two, four, shown in different colors. We have the DNA molecule here. All the information, the sequence arranged in triplets. When the messenger RNA is built, the codon will, will copy information on the DNA in a complementary way. T with A, A with U, and messenger RNA, C with G. And during the process of protein synthesis, the transfer RNA will bring an amino acid that codes for this sequence, cotton anticotton. And that amino acid happens to be methionine in this case. And if we read this sequence, then we'll have different amino acids. Because the next anticotton will be for proline, the next one for serine, the next one for leucine, and so on. And in that way, the protein is built. Now, all this is very much complex. Than Here was just a brief summary of this. There are enzymes involved here, there are many other things. Uh, After the protein is built, it has to be folded into all the structures and go to the Golgi and many more things. But this is what is important to remember about that. Transcription, translation, complementarity and, and the building of the messenger RNA, transfer RNA, and understand how Any change, any problem that can happen in one base, if that sequence, one of the parts of the sequence is altered, that will have a consequence in the sequence of proteins, and that may mean mutation, cancer, malformation, and uh, that's how the information of DNA is very, very delicate. Now, there are many mechanisms of control here. When there's a mutation, there are um, specific enzymes that will fix that problem. Or, perhaps, an amino acid is brought with a different anticodon, but it will not be noticed because, as we mentioned, there are 20 amino acids, but 64 cottons, so more than one cotton may uh, be used for one amino acid. And so, that's um, a little bit of this, uh, field called genomics and proteomics, which is a a very important development in the recent years. And I think this is the last one. Yeah, that's the last one. So, the exam will be until this point. We'll cover these three chapters, one, two, three, until today's lecture. Um, Let's take a ten-minute break, and we'll come back for the lab about tissues today.